Boom! Hey everybody, it's Dave here and Darren over there. We are here, your two old bloggers. This weekend, to wrap up the week, we had the draft last week. Finished up on Saturday. Best show of the three live broadcasts. Thanks to Darren Campbell being one of the guests. It was awesome. Thank you for coming. Also this week, we are looking at a breakout player. One near and dear to my heart. Mr. Ezra Cleveland, followed up by some of the UDFAs, the undrafted free agents that we signed after the draft. Time to get ready and look at it. And I promise you, after this show, I will work on that intro, shortening it up. Until then, let's rock! Welcome to Two Old Bloggers, home of news and commentary for your Minnesota Vikings. Hey everybody, it's Dave here again, Darren over there. Darren, how are things in the great white north? Good, a week removed from uh, Vikings first draft under Quasi Adova Mensa, so uh, excited about uh, to talk about it and... uh, Discuss what we liked and didn't like, along with the people who are tuning in today. Mm-hmm. Should be fun. Should be fun. You gave me a list of a few things to talk about. And the first one we're going to go to as soon as we switch screens is scroll, scroll, scroll. Not there, not there. We're going to start with the draft. It completed on Saturday. Like I said before, Saturday was day three of our live broadcast, and it was our best day. Over 3,000 people viewed. We appreciate that. All of you that watched, all of you that listened on the, well, there was no podcast because who wants to listen to six hours of podcast? Um, (laughs) But all of you that joined us on the show, we really, really, really appreciate it. It was a good show. Darren helped close it out. Uh, We wrapped it up. But let's talk about it, because you and I haven't got the chance to talk about it yet. We have not, but we'll do that today. Mm-hmm. Um, as, I, as I mentioned, it was they, when we went into the draft, we'd been used to, what, 16 years of Vikings draft with Rick Spielman involved somewhere, in some way or another, uh, whether he was, uh, I think, director of player personnel for the first six years of his time with the Vikings, and then uh, as GM from 2012 till 2021 and uh so you know part of the interest from me and from you and from other vikings fans was like how was the new gm quasi adofa mensa going to handle the, the draft and how how different would it look and i think what we saw was that uh in some ways it was it was quite similar uh like like quasi was very aggressive six draft day trades the most that any nfl team did and i and he almost said he almost pulled off a seventh but he got talked out of it by the the, the war room uh, and then uh, well six ties the record yes and then he's uh, and then he was looking for uh, and then the other thing was uh, he got his 10 draft picks that was Rick Spielman's all uh, his one of his talking points was in the last few drafts was he always liked to have 10 Quasi went went from eight with draft aid trades got got up to 10 so a lot of similarities there uh, i think uh but taking the cornerback high and then double dipping later 
taking a linebacker in the fourth round. You know, just there was all sorts of parallels between the two. I, yeah, I think for for me the uh, overall, if you're looking from what I've been reading from people who have assessed the Vikings drafts who aren't drinking the purple Kool Aid, they felt that it was a solid draft. I've been seeing basically grades of b and b minuses mostly b's uh the feeling was that uh, overall consensus seems to be that it was a solid draft but not a really exciting draft and i would tend to agree with that i didn't think there was a lot of uh there wasn't like a a pick that really just really just did grab me i thought Here's a guy that's going to make a huge difference with the with the Vikings in 2022, uh, but but there was you know there's certainly things that I liked about it. Uh, I think particularly like a lot of people, I wasn't really jazzed about the the trade with Detroit to go from 12 to 32 just because I felt you know they gave up that second rounder. I didn't really feel that they they had to do that. And really, when you're looking at um, dropping 20 spots in the first round. Uh, I think other people feel that as well, that they, you really, you want to extract more value than the Vikings got from mm-hmm. that trade. Now, the argument has been that uh, the Detroit would have trade got a trade down to maybe not 12, but they would have got to 13 or 14 anyway. Some other teams, they would have, they would have made the trade and then we would have been stuck at 12 and not got any sort of, uh, no value, value at all from it, mm-hmm. but uh, but I still I felt they needed yes. to extract more value uh, value from that. I also feel that they really uh, I did really like the 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 Andrew Booth trade. I thought that you know getting Booth uh, getting the trades to get Booth in the second round or first rounder uh, talent who dropped because of injury concerns that was uh, I thought that was a really good move. Probably one of my favorite moves of the draft for Quasi Dofamensa. He's a guy that's going to start likely Mm -hmm. first uh, possibly the first right off the get-go the vikings had serious concerns as far as depth goes at cornerback booth really addresses that and you know the vikings healthy like he supposedly had this core surgery and he hasn't been healthy since junior high or whatever it was and he's healthy now if he played as well as he did in college unhealthy i look forward to seeing what he does healthy um with that repair and that may turn out to be the best draft pick, but of course that's yet to be determined. True, uh, you know, I I don't really have a problem with the Lewis Seen pick at thirty two. Uh, a few draft a few shows ago, we we talked about Seen being a potential target for the Vikings, just maybe in the second round, uh, but uh, that would have been too late. As it turns out, too late to get Seen. Uh, apparently, even the the Cowboys had him ranked pretty high according to the draft draft board that jerry jones was showing everybody <laughs> after the well, first supposedly round he was 13 on that uh draft board yes for, for sure the sleuth and, zoomed in they you know cleaned up the pixels and did all that and he was supposedly 13 on their draft board which is interesting which means you know the consensus board had him yeah about where we picked him and they had him as the second or third best safety maybe going bottom of the first top of the second and, but that's a consensus board that this is the teams. Obviously, the only team we saw was Dallas, and it was sleuthed after the fact that uh, Jerry Jones said, my draft board. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, uh, scene, my concern there with picking scene in the first round is I don't, I, maybe it's a bit of a safety bias by me, but I don't really think that, uh, I don't think scene is going to have the impact for the Vikings of a first round pick that I want to see. He's not going to have a Micah Parsons impact on the Vikings defense. At least that's how I feel at the moment, particularly playing at safety. Will he start? Uh, from day one, it's looking like he will. You'll uh, certainly play a lot regardless because there's talk that the, Ed Donatel, Mike Pettin are going to be using a lot of three safety looks. Cameron Bynum being a former cornerback switched to safety and his coverage abilities. The fact that Seen played some slot in college as well. And, uh, you, you know, certainly Seen's got, uh, I've been very impressed when, when I have uh, from what I've seen from Scene so far in the interviews, super smart kid, mm-hmm. uh, seems like a very hard worker, and a, and a guy. And the the measurables are very very good, very fast, uh, very strong. Fast. Yeah, mm-hmm. extremely strong. Uh, and not a, afraid you know, to hit, hit. Good tackler. So those are all things that we need. Uh, but you know, you, you know, your first round pick, you want that that player to have the impact like a Justin Jefferson had in 20, uh, 2020 or like Micah Parsons did last year with the with the Dallas defense uh, had a large part in turning them around from a pretty mediocre unit to a, a very good unit. So there's some questions there, but, you know, seeing, again, uh, like Drew was saying, he could end up being a better safety than than any of the ones that have been picked. Um, really, some of my, my kind of my favorite picks outside of the booth was getting Brian Asamoah. Uh, in the third round, uh, really unique player, six feet, only about 225, not even 230 pounds, but really a a guy who's kind of a unique hybrid linebacker safety type. And I think in the third round, uh, hugely productive at Oklahoma in his college career. Another guy who is very smart. Uh, that was something that seems to be a trend with what the Vikings picked in a lot of their draftees, that they're smart smart dudes and uh, he's a guy that yeah he, he's either going to be like a, a bust because he's too small and just doesn't really uh, that his stature doesn't work at the NFL level for whatever reason or he's going to be like a huge demon matchup problem for offenses and a guy who really carves out a very good uh, role on the Vikings defense in that 3-4 as a as a you know, as a missile kind of situational kind of player, which I think is what he's going to be his first year at least. And, uh, and he'll certainly contribute on special teams, I think in coverage and uh, on, on punt and kickoff returns, even if he doesn't play a whole lot. In the private um, draft debriefing from the team to the press, uh, Arif Hassan was telling us how they envision him to be straight off the get-go a special team super stud because of his speed. Oklahoma's defense was known for speed. Their instant C, react, shoot, bang, right? And that's how he reacts. As for size, yes, he's small for a linebacker. But what's trending in the new NFL, as the NFL goes through its cycles, is a smaller, faster linebacker rather than the, you know, the traditional Six foot three, six foot four, two hundred sixty pound, fifty seventy pound guy that's just you know meat stuff or plugged a hole, and he's smaller. Well, we're starting to see that some of these linebackers and safeties are becoming almost interchangeable when you look at their profiles. 
And it's it's going to be interesting because Ed Donatel will, in the, you know, the three fours, the base, but I suspect we will spend less than 20% of the time in the base. We're going to see a lot of nickel and a lot of dime. The dime brings you your third safety. We may have three safeties and two in, in a nickel instead of three corners. It's all, all how they want to work it. But we may see six DBs with some of them this, you know, hybrid, almost linebacker types. Erickson Smith can play that. Um, Scene can play it. Uh, types in there closer to the box or whatever. Then we see a normal 3-4 with a normal setup in the back. I'm betting that's going to be the case for this season. If that's the case, this kid with his speed, with his um, hitting capability, with his, you know, see, go type mentality can really be a benefit. And I like this pick. And I'm not the only one. Ryan Otega from Climbing the Pocket loves it because, of course, he's a boomer sooner. Uh, Flip Mozzie, our great Flip Mozzie loves it because because he's another uh, Ghanaian American. So I think this, even though he's small, even though he's light, he hits like a Mack truck. I'm looking forward to this pick. I said it last week on our Saturday draft show that uh, this pick, uh, and as you talk about the hybrid safety linebacker kind of thing that's happening, is something that the CFL has done for a number of years, the Canadian Football League, and I'm Canadian, so uh, not, hey. not, that I'm, not that I'm plugging it, but uh, oh, uh, because because the, because the Canadian field is uh, it's wider, it's longer than the NFL field. Uh, traditionally, you know, those big uh, round bellies, like you say, don't fit as well in that style of play. There's only three downs, so teams don't run as much. They throw a lot more because that's the most efficient way to move the ball. Uh, and and so a guy like Asamoa. Uh, who's a linebacker, but really is not much bigger than Lewis Seen, right. <laughs> is like he he's a guy who in the old NFL would have been a safety, but in the CFL where you uh, you know he he'd be a linebacker size guy because the the NFL size linebackers are too big to play linebacker in the CFL, and they'd right. be more edge edge rushers playing on the defensive line, and and so it's a you know again the NFL is kind of moving in that way why they're looking for hybrid guys guys that can run guys that can cover and uh, you and that you're not going to find that in like 260 pound linebackers normally. Um, Another pick, that late pick, second day pick that I, or third day pick that I, I, I'm intrigued about, and we had his picture up earlier was that Ty Chandler, the running back uh, from North Carolina, uh, breakout, uh, breakaway speed, a guy who uh, catches the ball well out of the backfield. I thought that was an interesting pick for the Vikings in the fifth round uh, because uh, you got Dalvin Cook who's going to get. Mm-hmm. going to take the bulk of the carries. You got Alexander Madison, who's always been his backup for the past three years, a steady guy. And then you got Kenny Wongwu, who's we are intrigued to see what he could develop into with his breakaway speed and and a big game, a big play making ability. But Chandler uh, is a guy who is at least from what I've read and what I've seen is that he is much better feel for running, uh, you know, the, the running game and, and setting up blocks. And he had a lot more usage in college than Kenny Wongu ever had. Right. And uh, I, I, I'm interested to see what, and 
uh, also Chandler uh, has returned kickoffs in the past. Uh, Kenny Wongu's got that job nailed down as long as he's healthy, but uh, there's a little bit of insurance there if he isn't healthy that Chandler can move into that role. Uh, but I think Chandler, at least with his college resume, is seems like a guy who could be uh, could actually be the guy we wanted Wongu to be last year. Somebody you stick in there as a change of pace back. Excellent catching the ball out of the backfield. Got breakaway speed, so he can take a short pass and take it to the house, or take a, a you know a, a nothing carry, take it to the house. So I'm really interested to see what he can do. And does this the Chandler selection mean that Alexander Madison, who's going to be in his last year of his contract with the Vikings, and uh, that you know his his uh, his uh, his meat and potatoes running style, uh, if this is going to be his last year at the Vikings. I think it is because we've got Wong Wu and then Chandler, who, if he plays like with up to the potential that he appears to have, he could be the guy that becomes the backup to, to cook in 2023. And uh, if Cook so is still in, here. In that's the other thing. That is the other thing. Yes. So I found the Chandler pick, that's a pick that really intrigued me. Um, and I think overall, again, the, the draft, the Vikings went defense heavy in the first five picks, which indicated that to me that they were uh, fine with the way the offense is and thinks they need a little bit of uh, just a little bit of tweaking here and there, that the defense was the big problem they needed to address that, particularly the secondary. They did so by taking two corners and a safety with the with three of their first five picks. And then they kind of did some projections and got some depth for the offense in the last five picks by going offense four out of five. But there was one and early pick where they went That's off. right. And this was the one that I, I questioned just because Ed Ingram there, guard LSU, again, played in the SAC, SEC, great, great competition he's playing against. But it seemed, again, based on everything I read, that he went quite fair, a little bit too early in the second round. Uh, he's a guy that's got – his run blocking grades weren't that great. but his pass blocking grades in college were very good. And so we know that the Vikings interior pass blocking and run blocking too, I guess, but pass blocking in particular has been an issue for several seasons and maybe Ingram's pass blocking ability really caught the Vikings eye. They obviously had him rated a lot higher than some of the other guards that went later. And, and the consensus boards were saying we're better players than Ingram. And uh, I, but, that's a questionable pick in the second round. At least it was for me, but the Vikings obviously felt different. And he does bring a lot of competition, uh, more competition to a right guard. You got now him, you got Jesse Davis. Apparently Chris Reed, according to Doogie Wilson is going to compete for the center job, not the right guard job. Right. Uh, and, and then you got Wyatt Davis. I'm not sure where Wyatt Davis fits in here, but, uh, he's a, going to be given an opportunity, but Ingram is another guy in that mix. Uh, I don't know how how you felt about the Ingram trade, Dave. Uh, you're, again, offensive line is kind of one of your things. Well, um, with Ingram, of course, there's his backstory, which nobody wants to talk about, and we'll leave alone. Looking at a football perspective, Tyler Fornis of The Real Fornis Show, sent me three game tapes, uh, UCLA, Kentucky, and uh, Alabama, of the lineman team. So I watched him, and I watched him play. He has 
some skills that most linemen coming out of college do not have. In this picture alone, if you look at him in his stance, is it a pass play or is it a run play? Hard for me to tell. Looks like a run. Well, we don't know. One, first off, his back is almost parallel to the ground. That's good form. That's very, very good form. He looks relaxed, and he is relaxed. He goes to the line, watching the tape. He goes to the line, and he sets, and he sits there, right? Unless quarterback says something that he has to turn his head to, you know, listen to, maybe a play change or something. He sits there, right? He looks with his eyes as to who he's blocking who, who's moving on the defensive side. As a defensive end, I can tell you one of the keys I looked at was his fingers, right? Is there pressure on his fingers? Has he got his weight forward on his fingers? Or is he sitting back light? If somebody is sitting back light on their fingers, that's an indication it's a pass play Mm -hmm. because he wants to instantly come back it up, right? If it's way forward and his knuckles are white or if he's in a gorilla stance, with his knuckles bent over on the ground, then it's a run play. It's a pure run play, right? And it's easier for the defense to read. And not only is the defensive end, if they're lined up on, if this was a tackle, I'd be defensive end lined up on this, would they know? But your your linebackers and your defensive backs are also looking for little subtle keys like this. He is well-disciplined. It's hard to tell by reading his body what the play is going to be. You can you can do that. Now, even in the modern NFL, um, especially with young rookies, you can see that. In college, you can see that. If you know what you're looking for, you can see that and you can read the plays. He is good and well-disciplined at that. Now, what I saw of the plays, looking at those three tapes, is that, uh, one, he's strong. If he locks on to you, he's probably going to bury you. But when it comes to pass blocking, what I found interesting, here he's got his left arm down. I believe he's right-handed, but he was on the left side of the line, and he was on the left side of the line mostly all of college. He supposedly played some right guard snaps. I don't know. I don't think he did for most of his college career as left guard, but he'll be moved over to right. His right arm. When he'd go back in the pass sets, if a defender came up on him, he would take that right arm or off arm, it didn't matter, left or right, and he would almost punch the defender, and it would stun him. And the guy would just do this number, and then at that time, like good offensive linemen do, they grab, round yes. the pads, round the shit. And he controlled them. Flat out, mm-hmm. he controlled them. They didn't get near the quarterback. The quarterback got to do what the quarterback wanted to do. That's what we want to see in the pros as well. Um, because you've got to be able to sit there and hold. Hold. You know, Green Bay does the bear hug thing where they wrap around. As long as they don't turn, they don't get called. I think it's cheating, but it works. Yes. So you got to hold that defender in space. And he was constantly looking in the tapes, left, right, 
stuff like that. If he needed to shed, because he usually won his block, if he needed to shed and go help his tackle or shed and go help the center, he would, right? Already after his guy's out of the play. That means a lot. That means if he's starting, Kirk Cousins is going to have a cleaner pocket to step up into and throw a deeper ball. That's what we want. I was really impressed. I mean, he's got things he could learn, right? There's no rookie coming out of college that's going to set the NFL on fire, um, especially this point in the draft. But this kid could be a very, very good starter for the NFL. And for our Minnesota Vikings, and of course he's wearing the right colors, I want to give him a chance. I'm looking forward to that competition at right guard to see who actually wins it. And uh, I think all these guys in combination, it can't hurt. The co- It's going to be steel on steel. They're going to make each other better because they're going to want that job. And I think our depth this year, especially on the offensive line, will be where we want it to be. Now, We'll get more into the offensive line in the next segment when we talk breakout player. But the more I look at this guy and me looking at the tape, the more I really, really like this pick. Well, that's good to hear, Dave, because uh, we did pick him uh, in the second round, which is a high bit of draft capital, and I would hate for us to have reached on a player uh, hugely that's uh, not going to contribute. So uh, again, you know, it generally indicates he's going to start. Yeah. Um, And, you know, and overall in the draft with all the trades that Quasey made, the wheeling and dealing. uh, And uh, I think aside from the first round pick with Detroit, which again, I think most people agree we didn't get the value we would have liked out of it, but it is what it is. But uh, you know, the the Vikings that, I do want to give credit to that chart to Ted Glover. Yeah. He made the chart. I didn't. Um, That's true. And it was, uh, we. I've talked to about this on a previous show. Yes, nobody liked that first draft or that first trade with Detroit. We seem to have lost it now. It depends on what trade chart you're looking at, whether you're looking at production or whether you're looking at the Jimmy Johnson, which – Thor Nystrom calls the the blue book, Kelly blue book. It's the starting point. But that was built back decades when it was based on rookie salaries, when salaries were so high. So um, we lost it except for when you look at the production because we got more players out of it. So yeah, it is what it and, is. And the Vikings, if they – I get partly of how you view this draft and whether you agree with the philosophy or not is whether you think the Vikings could have got can get, could have got better players by just sticking where they were with the uh, first round pick at 12, a second round pick at 46 and a third rounder at 77 or whether you think they got they could get more better talent with the five picks they got from uh, 32 on down to 119 in the second, third and fourth round, you know, picking up two two second round picks, one and a third and one and a fourth. We didn't have a fourth going into the draft. So mm-hmm. the Vikings got five picks from one to 119, whereas before the draft they had three picks from tw- you know from one to 77. Uh, and I 
I like that philosophy. I like having, uh, you know, a few more bullets to, to pick, uh, mm-hmm. a few more bullets to shoot from rounds one to four. And, uh, you know, Quasi Adova did that. So and that's I, where it's you know, different from Spielman, right? Yeah. Spielman loved to have all his draft picks, but most of them were in the seventh round, day three. Quasi got them moved up to the first two days. And I think that's where the quality comes into play. And I think when we look back at this draft in three years, I think we're going to see the big difference there. Yes. And then, so it'll be, it'll be as all these th- things, you know, it'll, time will tell in two or three years what we think, uh, you know, how well the draft really was. But uh, again, s- solid draft, I think, uh, and maybe missing a bit of uh, the wow factor, at least for me. But uh, that doesn't mean that the, the, the decisions that were made and the draft picks that were made uh, aren't going to wow us next year or in year two, three, and four. Mm-hmm. So, no, and I agree. And uh, uh, too evil to hope wanted to get a 2023, you know, pick so we could help next year to find Kirk's replacement. I agree with him, but that didn't happen. I'm sure. We actually gave up a fourth rounder in 2023 yeah, through I'm all sure, the wheeling. Yeah, and I think we only have six picks next year. But I'm sure, as of right now, uh, we're supposed to get a one or two com- compensatory six from what I see from our free agents, but that's it. But I'm sure when the trade with Detroit, Kwesi asked for their 2023, but they said no. And the reason they said no is they weren't going for a quarterback because quarterbacks in this draft dropped it, dropped. And it's usually the quarterbacks that bring those high yield trade returns. And they said no. So. Mm-hmm. Tyler, too bad you're late. You missed a lot of the good talk and me getting excited over Ed Ingram. And then we will talk more about that on Monday on Tyler's show, the real Forno show. Don't miss it. Mm-mm, it's going to be good. Now, sticking to the script, we're going to a breakout player. Who is your, this is part two of a four-part series of yours of identifying players that can have breakout seasons. And in this episode, you wish to discuss. I wish to discuss uh, left guard Ezra Cleveland, David, Uh, a guy that you really uh, were really excited about when the Vikings drafted him Mm -hmm. in 2020. And uh, a guy who has been – I think is an important piece to the Vikings offensive line puzzle uh, and an important piece to the Vikings offensive line getting to a a level play that we all want to see them uh, get from being pretty mediocre unit, uh, particularly on the up in the, (laughs) in the, you know, from the guard spots and the center spot to getting to be uh, a unit that we think is at least solid and maybe even very good. And uh, so, you know, Ezra Cleveland is a guy that, uh, again, second round pick uh, and high hopes for him. Um, 
left tackle at Boise State. I think we all know that story. Got switched to, to guard by the Vikings. Uh, something that we've discussed on the show many times, and 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 uh, you know, you know, and uh, and been somewhat uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, puzzled by the, the whole thing. But uh, but anyway, he's been at left guard. He's a starter there now. And you know that the the thing about Cleveland is, if you look at his pro football focus grades, and again, we tend to we go to those because they're one of the few outlets that actually puts out grades publicly uh, that compares, particularly on the off- offensive line, it can give us an idea of if what we think we're seeing when we watch the games is what is actually their level of play. And if you look at Cle- Cleveland's grades last year, you've got a picture of a, a guard who is okay, but not really not setting the league on fire, not one of a, not a top 10 guard, nothing like that. Last year is PFF grade. Overall, he's average. Yeah. He was 23rd overall amongst uh, 70-some guards, and this included both left and right guards, so it's not just left guards. So that's okay. Uh, But again, not in the top 10. Uh, But it's a top third, and he's only in his second year and first time at this position. Exactly. Those are all things uh, that are true, David. Uh, But again, an okay guard. But the Vikings have got i think on the interior they've been getting by with players who are okay or worse for quite a while said worse <laughs> yeah and they and cleveland is a guy that i think is really key because uh we're we're going with the on the assumption right now that bradbury is the favorite or he's the starter right now. Maybe Chris Reed will overtake him. We'll see. But Bradbury is a huge question mark if he's the center. Has not performed very well as a, in his three years in the league. Uh, been disappointing. A guy who is a, a big, has big issue with giving up pressure up the middle. Uh, and uh, he's a weak link. It has been for the first three years. On uh, right guard, it's way up in the air right now. We know Ali Udo was a starter last year, was an even bigger weak link than Garrett Bradbury. A lot of competition going on there. We talked about that. Jesse Davis signed. Right now, he's the favorite to start at right guard, but um, and he's done better as a guard than as a tackle in his NFL career, but still, I don't think we're expecting him to be an all-pro. Uh, you got uh, Wyatt Davis, Huge unknown because last year he did not play at all and was in Zimmer's doghouse. Uh, and yeah, we're not sure what. Yeah, dozen special team snaps and that was it. We just do not know what a former All-American, what, what's a, you know, what his capabilities are. And then Ed Ingram, we just talked about, uh, drafted in the second round this year. But so right guard's a huge question mark right now. Center's a question mark. But left guard, we know Cleveland's going to be there. We know he's going to start. We also know that his grades were just okay but if you look okay, look at his past and the other side okay. and what we had it's okay yeah but Tristan got, Salt again, said uh we've really sucked drafting lately and put Cleveland in that list we did hit on O'Neill apparently there's uh Tristan if you look at O'Neill's grades his grades are Cleveland's grades are tracking just like O'Neill's did O'Neill did we saw some good things in his first year and then he did better and was about average in his second year. And his third year, he took off. If that can, if that same trend happens with Cleveland, where first year he was meh, right? Second year he was average. Third year, 
he takes off, that's a hit. Um, that's that's an absolute hit, and that includes switching sides. You know, well, take switching from left tackle to right guard, right guard to left guard. That that's quite a bit. I'm going to sit with Cleveland over there. Um, yeah, I have bias. I think he's. I like him a lot, but I think he can turn into one of the better left guards in this league, and I would leave him there. You know, even though we drafted Ingram, and Ingram obviously can play left guard, I'd move Ingram to right and compete over there. Our weakest spots are center and right guard. That's where we need to focus first, my opinion. And with with Ezra Cleveland, uh, again, his PFF grades, his run blocking, actually uh, better than okay. I mean, 14th overall amongst those 70-some guards. Uh, the pass blocking is where things are more concerning for me, where he was ranked 42nd. That is not good and is an issue because, you know, Kirk needs a clean pocket to be at his best. If he's especially if he's getting pressured up the middle because Bradbury's leaking and getting backed up and Cleveland's getting backed up and the right guard, whoever it is, is getting backed up. That's not good news for Cousins. It's not good for our passing offense. So, uh, you know, Cleveland's really got to step it up this year. And like you said, you've said it before, it takes a while for a college offensive lineman often to take their four years on average for linemen. He's in year, he's in year three. He's in year three now coming out of college. You know, the, the, the good stuff on him was extremely athletic, uh, and we've seen that. He can get out in space. He can pull. He can get out there and take guys on that way. Uh, the, the, the knock on him was that he didn't have good base strength, that he got, you know, he got walked back into the quarterback too much at left tackle. I think that has happened to some degree as a, as a left guard. But, again, third year. He's he's got a new offensive line coach. Maybe Chris Cooper can unlock that all that potential, that athletic ability, and turn it and turn it around for Cleveland. And I say turn it around. Not again. Not that he's been a disaster his first two years, but I, like Drew was saying in the comments, okay is not good enough. We've been settling right. for okay at as, as need, a team, as a franchise. For too long, we need to do better. And Cleveland, I think, is one of those guys. You know what you got in Brian O'Neill? Good player. Christian Darisaw, I think, is going to be a good one. So your tackles are good. If Cleveland, if you got a third guy, especially in the interior, if Cleveland really comes on this year and plays like he's capable of, I believe that's going to help whoever the center is because <laughs> because they've got support there to their left side. Uh, they're they're not having to worry as much about. Whoever is getting them, uh, you know, is giving uh, the left guard is a right. sieve. And hopefully and Kirk can see his right side because he's right-handed and move from there. Or, you know, the left guard, because he's good, he can kind of slide over and help the center at times. And if we get – if Jesse Davis or Ed Ingram or Wyatt Davis is 20% better than Ali Udo last year – that's a huge win for the Vikings at right guard. Overall, the interior is going to be much improved. And I think Cleveland, he's got the best opportunity of those right guard, center, mm-hmm. left guard that we have that are potentially going to be starting all the options. I think he's got the best – I believe he's the best bet to be the guy who really ascends and gives us a third quality player on the offensive line. And I think that a third – three quality offensive linemen is is a lot more than most NFL teams have. Well, yeah, we'll see. But as you can see, 
our remarks are lining up with Bradbury, center. And the one person we didn't discuss that we got in free agent, free agency, who's probably the better guard of all the new guys we got, is this gentleman, uh, Chris Reed, right? Chris Reed came in. He is a very, he is a good, I shouldn't say very good. He is a good and capable guard, but he also plays center. Um, he's had no regular season snaps at center, but he's had some preseason snaps at center, and he played some center in college, I believe. He is, according to Doogie Wolfson, been reported that he will have the chance to compete at center. So, if he doesn't, if he doesn't compete at center, he'll compete at guard. Um, Reed seems to be kind of our Mason Cole this year, who, like, Cole was a guy who could play guard or center. He ended up doing both last year and ended up doing both probably a little bit better than the guys <laughs> that he, that he replaced. Possible. He's got better grades than uh, Jesse Davis does yeah. at guard. So it's quite possible. Um, Too Evil to Hope talked about Treader needs to be brought in. If J.C. Treader is signed – and I, I can see that. That's a beautiful thought, um, and stays healthy because he's got the knee issues. Um, he will be the starting center, and then at that point, Chris Reed, at all, Ingram, Jesse Davis, Wyatt Davis can all fight for that right guard spot, and I'll be perfectly happy because consider all those guys. And look at the depth. Yeah. We haven't had that kind of depth in probably over a decade when it comes to the offensive line. So I can't see us getting worse this year. I can only see us getting better on the offensive line. Ezra Cleveland, the breakout player, cements that. And I think he will get better this year. I think he will take the same trajectory as Brian O'Neill did, and establish himself as a very good left guard. That is the the dream, David, for sure. Um, and now, uh, and he he's got some motivation because uh, you know he'll be uh, he's got to be looking at what his next contract is going to be, um, and uh, a, a big third year will either cement the Vikings cement uh, for him getting a good contract, whether it's the Vikings or, or some other team. Now you and our notes talked about Ezra being a little weak at Boise state. Even though he played tackle, he was fast. He could block yeah. well and he moved well, but he was a little weak and could get run over. Um, that's generated this image of him scowling at you, but it's probably a true statement. <laughs> um, I do think Though Ezra has bulked up. That's part of coming into the NFL, learning what weight you need, what strength yeah. you need, everything else, how to deal with, if you're playing guard, the defensive tackles from the nose tackle on out to the five techs on how to do that or a rushing linebacker, how to you know shed a block to pick that up or to do whatever and how to work in that phone booth. Ezra is doing that. He's learning. He has not dropped. He's going up on his talent curve, and I think I agree with you. He is a breakout player we need to watch this season. So, 
And who does he protect? <laughs> we keep this man clean. There's no excuse. He's one of the best clean pocket passers. I think he was ranked number one last year, clean pocket passing in the league. Do that. Combine that with the brain of Kevin O'Connell. And our offense should rock. And by rock, I mean top five. And Drew, absolutely right. Ezra, I've enjoyed him, and he's been my boy since prior to draft night on 2009, uh, 2019. I was banging the table for him. You got that 100% right. With that, we're moving to the third theme, which some folks have been waiting for. But first, <laughs> Lake Monster Brewing. Lake Monster. I wear a hat. Why? Because they make some absolutely fantastic beer. Darren, I guarantee you would love some. It is outstanding. From their IPAs, their stouts, their lagers, their wit beers, their sours. I haven't tried one of their sours, but like Ryan Ortega and some of the guys say they love the sours. Refreshing, especially in summer. And uh, you go to the golf course, you go come off the lake, you're on the lake. Hey, screw coming off the lake. You're on the lake catching all sorts of walleye. Um, in Ted's case, his brother's catching the walleye for him. But you're having a good time drinking. No. And it is it is a great time and a great beer. And if you're in St. Paul or in Minneapolis, the cities, the area, go down to St. Paul, right across the river from um, Minneapolis, and enjoy. It's good times, good people, and it's great beer. And Matt Lang, the brewmeister there, um, told me it doesn't matter. You know, a, you're only going to get Lake Monster within Minnesota area. I'm sure you can pick it up in Fargo, Grand Forks, maybe down in the, uh, South Dakota and stuff like that. But the area, you're going to find it. It's not nationwide. I wish it was. It's that good. But he's focused on the local area. But he says, whatever you do. Support your local breweries around here because they make great beer. He told me to this do it true. in Austin because he's been down here. They make great beer. I'm sure in Yellowknife, during those long winter months, there's not much better to do than brew beer. So, you know, and I know when you're on the east coast of Canada, you've talked about doing it yourself. So, going into the business. And it's a good business to be in. But our sponsor and our partner, Lake Monster Beer, Great beer. I highly recommend it. Now, to our last segment. The Udfas. Undrafted free agents. You wanted to talk about them, and this is where I'm white in the graphics, because I didn't find that many, but we have a few new ones to talk about. Yes, we do. The uh, This time of the year, David, I uh, always am... I'm always interested about the the undrafted rookie free agents that the Vikings picked. Uh, you know, the Vikings drafted 10, 10 players in the draft, but then they also s- selected 10 undrafted rookie free agents. And uh, sometimes, not all the time, not most of the time, but sometimes those those dudes, those kids turn into John Randall, 
mm-hmm. or, or, or they're Adam Thielen, or mm-hmm. a little bit lesser, they're Anthony Harris or Eric Wilson, guys that don't get drafted but end up playing a fairly significant role for the Vikings. In the case of Randall, Hall of Famer um, and one of the all-time greats. So I'm always interested in the undrafted rookie free agents that the Vikings uh, you know, sign and uh, there's three in that of the, the 10 that I wanted to highlight today, and we've got them up there. Uh, and there is a, there are Gabe Burchich, uh, Luigi Villain, and Bryant Kobeck. Uh, and I've got good. And uh, Kobeck's the first guy I'm going to talk about. I want to highlight. Um, um, he's in the middle there, number 22. And then running from Toledo, Toledo. Running, running back from Toledo. And, uh, interesting uh, cat because he's um, super productive at Toledo last year, 1400 yards, 15 touchdowns, 15 touchdowns. And he had 30, uh, it was a 34 catches, 34 catches, sorry, 30 catches last year. Uh, Now he did that uh, with the, uh, in the, I think the mid American conference at Toledo, that's not the sec. It's not the, you know, the the big 12 or anything like that. It's not. Yeah. But and he did it as a as a fifth year senior, so he's a little bit older than some of the other people he's going up against. But still, he's a guy that uh, was uh, uh, the, the production's there and a good size, six foot, six feet, two ten. Uh, a guy who's also got the reputation for being uh, a like he's again another smart kid, uh, a guy who has very good vision as a running back, uh, has good speed, uh, surprisingly elusive. And uh, again, a very good pass catcher out of the backfield and a uh, very good blocker. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, he's a guy that I don't know if there's room for him on the Vikings, but because you've got Cook, you've got Madison, Kenny Wongu, now, and we, we drafted Ty Chandler, but uh, we know Cook, I, I, I'd be surprised if Cook plays a snap in preseason this year. Uh, Madison might not play very much either because he's right now the backup to Cook. Uh, but so well, Madison what I, was the relief back. So yeah, um, I'm sure but that I think, relief type stuff is going to go in there again. So I don't, but I don't see him getting much uh, uh, play in the in the preseason. So there's going to be an opportunity for Kobeck, uh, along with Chandler and Kenny Wongu. They're going to get the running of the the running uh, the running attempts. They're going to get divvied up between those three dudes. And Kobeck has got a shot. If he can adjust to the level of play, he's got a shot to make an impression with the Vikings, and maybe he steals that fourth running back position from Chandler. Uh, I think Wangu's going to stay on the squad because of his kickoff returning ability. There's no way you get rid of that. But uh, you know, Kobeck is a is a guy that interests me, and again, with that kind of production, can't be ignored. Intriguing player. Intriguing undrafted rookie free agent that the Vikings have picked up, even if he's at an end. Running backs get hurt a lot. So uh, even if you got him on the practice squad, we may need him. Could be uh, A.J. Rose. Yeah, I'm not so sure about A.J. But uh, well, but he's still on there. He's too, in there. About he's in there. A.J. Axel Rose there. is still going to fight for trying to get his spot. And he had a good preseason last year. He did. Yes, he did. Uh, but uh, Kobeck's a guy to watch out for. Another guy that I wanted to highlight is uh, Luigi Villain. I'm not. Uh, I'm only partly highlighting because he's Canadian from uh, uh, Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, the nation capital of Canada. Um, you know but, when uh, I when I see his 
um, name. I think of Luigi with the mustache, the Mario <laughs> Brothers. Yeah. The evil dude. It's just, it's just one of those things. Just I'm an sure aside. that sticks with him. I'm sure I'm not the first one to like that. Could be. Uh, he's a guy that uh, Drew would be familiar with because he started he started his career at Michigan. Didn't really do much because he got uh, injured a fair bit, and because there were guys like uh, you know Quiddy Pay, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, and David Ojabo who were on that team and were ahead of him. So not much playing opportunity for him between the injuries and the and the the talent that Michigan had at that position. But then last year he transferred to Wake Forest, playing in the Atlantic Coast Conference, and. He got, you know, he had a break, he had a very, very good year. Nine sacks, 10 tackles for a loss. And uh, so everybody's always looking for pass rushers, Dave. Uh, he's an intriguing cat to me. Uh, his measurables aren't really off the charts uh, by any stretch. He, I think he ran a 4.8 or so or just under at the combine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we we saw many edge rushers at the combine run much faster than that. Uh, he's a guy who... Uh, Again, from the scouting reports, doesn't have a, an explosive first step, which is something you want your edge rushers to have, but does have a very good motor, never quits on plays, always running them down. And again, the production at Wake Forest in the ACC last year, nine sacks, can't ignore it. Kind of like oh. Kenny Willickis, right? Didn't have great measurables, but the you know the production you could not ignore. So yeah. worth, the motor worth, and the getting it done. So worth bringing on as a as an opportunity. I can see him in the three four we're running. He's a guy that again I don't give him a shot. See what he happens in training camp, and well, he could be a guy you could develop. Or do you see him as the outside linebacker? No, I see him as an outside linebacker rushing okay. rushing rushing there. Although the edge rusher, uh, the edge rusher I think that. Uh, but although he has a lot more experience again from what i read with his hand in the ground hand in the dirt as mike mayock would say than standing upright and again what i read was that his snaps standing upright were not all that impressive so but he's still i, I think he's a guy bring you bring him in with that that kind of production he gets stashed on the practice squad you work on him on him uh, he could be a guy that could develop into a useful piece as a 3-4 in the 3-4 as an edge rusher from the linebacker position um, that he's the guy. And I think that uh, the other guy I wanted to bring up is Gabe Burchich, uh, the kicker, place kicker. He was kind of the last selection that the Vikings uh, got as an, I shouldn't say selection, the last guy the Vikings signed as an undrafted rookie free agent. Um, another guy that's inter- interesting. signed him to a three-year contract, which means nothing in the long run. No, but, no. Um, it, but, but he had indicator. He uh, last year his uh, he was a finalist for the Lou Groza Award, which is for the top kicker in college football. Mm-hmm. Uh, twenty for twenty six and field goals last year, so that's not a great. That's about seventy nine percent, which is not outstanding. But he was five for seven on field goals fifty and over, which is mm-hmm. good. And he only missed one extra point, and we know Oklahoma kicks a lot of extra points because they score a lot. <laughs> Uh, he, he, he improved his leg strength last year. Uh, but, uh, so, um, he's got the leg, the distance to hit from distance. Uh, the knocks on him have been that he's, uh, intermediate field goal distance. His accuracy kind of comes and goes and that on kickoffs, he didn't really surprisingly for a guy who can kick 50 yard field goals and, and more, uh, and make them, uh, he didn't get a lot of touchbacks on kickoffs, uh-huh. uh, but, uh, so those are the knocks on him, but I think that 
when you uh, if you look at Greg Josephs, sure he had a pretty good year last year. Uh, just signed a two point four million dollar one year contract, although none of it is guaranteed. But he missed a couple of key kicks against Arizona, which lost Arizona's the game for the us. One. The Detroit game, he missed that forty nine yarder. Didn't even reach the reach the the uprights, and that yeah. that ended up allowing giving gave Detroit the chance to come back and tie the game and then Joseph won it at the end. But if he'd made the kick earlier, we wouldn't have went into overtime uh, along with Madison fumbling the ball, but we won't get, <laughs> we won't get into that. But uh, I think, you know, Joseph, although he had a very good year, kickers are always, he's not Justin Tucker. Uh, kickers tend to be up and down. Uh, I think, you know, it's good to have competition. Burkich is a talented place kicker. I think that I'm not, I think, Joseph certainly is the front runner, and I expect him to win the job. But if Joseph has a not a very good training camp, uh, maybe struggles in preseason, and Burkich is lights out, then the Vikings will have, a, I think, a difficult decision to make at place kicker. Uh, and uh, so I think, yeah, Burkich is just a, another guy that intrigued me out of that undrafted rookie free agent group, and uh, just something to watch there. Oh, it is. Um, we also signed an undrafted free agent. Hunter. We did from uh, Tulane. Mm-hmm. And uh, the kid plays punter and tight end or something like that. He's like 240 pounds. He's a, He's big, a big boy. Dude. Yeah. He's and it's like, boy. whoa. So that gives us two guys that, you know, play multiple spots that can punt. Um, but there is going to be, but the whole idea is there's going to be a kicking competition, which is good. One, it keeps whoever wins its leg relatively fresh. They don't, you know, blow out their leg in the preseason um, doing kicks. But it actually causes competition. Just like at the guard position, we're going to have a competition. Competition breeds excellence because you are there. I know I always love to compete and be better than the next guy. Right, we all love to do that and then cheer each other on as well. So, if they both come out just absolutely kick ass, one's going to get signed with some other team, right? Whoever doesn't get signed with or kept with the Vikings, it's a good deal and it only makes us better. And that's the goal of the offseason make this team better, not settling for okay, settling for excellence, exactly. Exactly. Drew, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> show covers Tulane. It's totally prepared. <laughs> you know I love Tulane, Drew. Anyways, are there any other advas you wanted to uh, cover? We did. No. We did grab a center, a pure center, as yeah. an adva, um, adva undrafted free agent. We grabbed center. Where was it? So- Sokol. Yeah, Josh Sokol, Sokol yeah. not a Sacred Heart. Um, not a big football power. That football powerhouse, Sacred Heart. <laughs> I don't even know if it's an Ivy League school. Um, I don't think so. I don't I, think, I think so. Really I, you know, I think Sacred Heart, and I think Holy Cross. Holy Cross was yeah. an Ivy League school. I don't yeah. think Sacred Heart. Sacred Heart is not. Sacred Heart's probably a Division three school or oh. something. So, um, we got the wide receiver out of. Uh, Appalachian, Appalachian State, Thomas Hannigan, Eddington. Yep. He's supposed to have some juice in him. We'll see how that goes. 
Um, it makes our wide receiver room depth. I think I think what Quasi's done assembling the whole ninety man roster, he's done well. And and the fact that we've already released a guy, I put it out a couple days ago that we released a nose tackle that was the fifth nose tackle on the roster, so we could sign Bershik. So I expect more and more cycling at the bottom end of the roster. There'll what be some can, movement for sure. Yeah. What we can look for, Naylor, yes. <laughs> uh, which is a great name. It could be played on like Drew played on it there. Um, is another wide receiver. There's coming up this week in Egan. All the rookies report. So we will mm-hmm. see them all for their rookie minicamp, which won't be much. I mean, they'll come, and if they haven't already, they'll get sized up for their uniforms. Well, it's a, It'll be the first time we get to see them in Viking, all of them in Vikings gear. I'm sure if you watch the uh, Vikings.com website, there'll be pictures of all of them standing out. This is just They'll have a few uh, one-minute one minute videos showing little montages of them doing whatever they're, they're going to be doing on the field, yeah, uh, which won't tell us much, but it'll, it'll, be, uh, well, uh, it'll give them a chance to get acclimated, to get, uh, uh, get together as a group for the first time, and hopefully nobody, uh, you know, tears an Achilles like <laughs> Ojabo did when he was on his pro day because uh, uh-huh. you don't want, any, don't want any of that shit going on. No. No, no, no. Hey, even though we got a new sports science guy, we don't want to overload him with work. Yep. Okay. That should be it. Have you got anything else you want to talk about today? I don't know, Dave. Uh, but uh, just getting into the the – it's going to, you know, we're going to have to be very creative here over the next couple of months because, uh, you know, the draft free agency that that's all over. And that's been all the talk for the past few months, right. uh, you know, along with that, along with the fact that we hired a new head coach and a new general manager. So now we're going to have to be creative and coming up with those Viking topics for this show so that people keep on watching and, mm-hmm. uh, and tuning in like they have uh, and we thank them for doing so but uh, there's always something with the vikings um yeah and hopefully I it'll be this show along with uh most of climbing the pockets gonna go, go to slow down a bit go to once every two weeks or so um but i will let you know you'll see it online i will post i do the climbing the pocket networks uh social presence i have one of the accesses to that so a lot of this stuff you see is from me you'll see it from matt anderson Stuff like that. We will continue, and we'll let you know if there's a show or no show. But we're planning on shows right now, like there'll be a show next week. And if everything goes right, I may even start today after this show to work on shorting, shortening that roll-in uh, so people don't go to sleep. Maybe find some new music. Uh, I would love to put some ACDC on there. However, we do not have the copyright. Uh, I listen to ACDC before the show to get us fired up. <laughs> little black eyed peas too let's get this party started but anyways whole lot of, whole lot of rosy dave that's right whole that lot of rosy that would get anybody fired up if that doesn't get you fired up nothing can so hey we want to thank everybody for watching us and what do we say there we say skull vikings skull vikings Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best 
Vikings content can be found, and to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.